Fighting Irish Faithful. This is the USC Hate Show, the Notre Dame football podcast. This is the episode I've been looking forward to, I think, the most ever. I absolutely detest the USC Trojans, and I want nothing more than our Fighting Irish to beat their brains in. COVID prevented me from doing this show last year. This time, no way. Notre Dame, this Saturday versus USC in our house at night under the lights. It doesn't get any better than this, Irish. USC is already down. Let's kick the weakened calf. We need to dominate this team. We're going to spit a lot of fire tonight uh, after we go over some bi-week specials and analysis. So stay tuned. Here we go. Pour yourself a drink. Let's go, Irish. Three wide receivers right. They're going to go for two. Back to throw. Walsh looks, looks, looks. Has the time. Lost the ball. The pass is spit it down. It's it on by Perry. Dawson throws. Open receiver in the end zone. Touchdown. Notre Dame. Somehow, the Irish did it. Out of the pack. 30, 35. Goodbye, baby. At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10. Five, five, rocket touchdown. Irish. Zimikowski looking for a block. Touch to the right, to the 40. Gets a block, gets to the 45, 50. Up to the 45, 40, 30. One man to beat, 20, 15, 10. He's down to the five. Touchdown, Irish. What's going on, everybody? Fighting Irish Faithful. Welcome to the show. Episode 36 of all time. Notre Dame versus USC. We will be spitting fire. Maybe literally tonight, uh, but more to come on that. Uh, we're going to do something a little weird tonight uh, pertaining to fire, heat, uh, intensity, and may involve uh, some explicit, so uh, parental discretion is advised. Welcome to the show. You can find me on Twitter at Faithful underscore Irish, uh, YouTube, or Spotify, any of your podcast locations like iTunes. It's just search for the Fighting Irish Faithful show, and I come up. So I am so excited to do a show about why I hate USC so much. Uh, I've kind of I kind of touched on this in a bye week last year, um, but it doesn't have quite the same ring as if you do it the week of the game. I'm I'm so pumped to do this, um, and so pumped I may be making a poor decision tonight. But first, we're going to give the Twitter shout-out to start. We're going to start on a positive note, and then we're going to go down into uh, a very dark place of uh, a side of me I don't usually expose. The shout-out on Twitter goes to at Joe Stuckenberg. Stuckenborg. Joe, you are an awesome dude, and usually once or twice a week, you copy me on a tweet and this past week, Sunday, uh, you know, it's kind of been a little stressful around here. Uh, but you said, hey, I want to wish everyone an awesome weekend. Show your appreciation for all of us. And just me and a bunch of other his Twitter friends were tagged. Um, I really appreciate that, Joe. You're the Twitter shout out of this week. So thank you, sir. Everyone give this man a follow. Uh, and he's a good guy. So we're going to get straight into some bye week stuff before we do some uh USC hatred. First, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks. Why would we not talk about the quarterbacks? That's what we are. Notre Dame fans, we talk about the quarterback controversy. And quite frankly, we should not be surprised 
that this is going on again with Brian Kelly again here at Notre Dame. I don't know why he keeps doing this to us, but we shouldn't be surprised this is happening right now. Right now it's Cohn and Buckner. Before that, you had Reese and Chris. And But I want to talk about uh, three other controversies specifically and why this one is just so ridiculous. And there's a pattern of behavior here, but it's almost like, dude, how many more ways can you can you bake this cake of quarterback controversies? Now, last week, I did talk about Cohn versus Buckner and how both of them need to coexist because I felt that the Notre Dame's best chances this year for 2021 is to model, to some extent, what Kelly did with Golson and Reese. Golson, the electric, more athletic player, a uh, threat with his feet, what have you, as the starter, and then Reese the backup. In this year, we've got Buckner kind of in that role, potentially, and Cone is kind of that experienced guy who definitely can run the two-minute drill, and I provided evidence to support that. So go back to last week to touch on that. But in doing some other show prep this week, I did some reflection as well, and I wanted to also look at the Everett Golson versus Malik Zaire controversy that seemed to arise at the end of 2014, and then also Wimbush and Book in the beginning of 2018. First, 2014, Golson Zaire. Golson, we had our wagon hitch to him. He, of course, uh, took 2013 off due to some academic issues that uh, he ad- had to address. You know, he. I don't know if he was expelled. I don't really know how that works in Notre Dame. But regardless, he was gone 2013 and 2014. And we're like, yay, prodigal son has returned. And then we go, you know, 5-0, and 6-0, and whatever it was. And then we lose a very close game, controversy to Florida State. And then after that, it's just nosedive down, you know, Arizona State, terrible. Uh, the end of the season, you know, we get our crap beat out of us by USC. Huh? Shocking. There's a connection tonight's show. Um, and it was so obvious, probably in the Arizona State game or even during Northwestern, that he should have been benched and Malik Zaire had come up in. It, to me, it was so obvious that, look, stop, you know, having your nightly subway date, Kelly, with, you know, Everett Golson. You know, you guys are going out for a sandwich after every practice, okay? Stop that, okay? And look at the rest of your team. Don't just, you know, hand them a hot cocoa on the sideline and coach them off the ledge or, or talk them off the ledge here. You have, you know, 80 other players on the team on the sideline that you have to coach as well. And especially someone as most uh, important as the quarterback, Malik Zaire. And look what happened. He comes in for the Music City Bowl. We beat LSU in a, a, a very one of the most enjoyable games I've ever watched where our game plan was different. Uh, Zaire was just a breath of fresh air and we we you know started off the 2015 season so well. It's so obvious right now that Buckner has a more electricity. Yes, there will be some turnovers that may come to that. And by all means, if he's turning the ball over and handing, you know, our chances away of you know winning the game, absolutely bench him, put Pine in, put Cone in, whatever. But to start off the game, you need that electricity when it becomes so obvious that Jack Cohn has, you know, stone lead feet, cannot run for his life at all, 
does not throw the ball incomplete, which is something Tommy Reese did very well when he was quarterback. He would just throw it away. He wouldn't take a sack. I'll talk on that in a few minutes. But we need Cone to kind of – it's so obvious that he should not be the starter, but for some reason Kelly, in his stubbornness, just like in 2014, he was stubborn to stick with Golson. He's stubborn to stick with Cone, and I guarantee he's going to come out – I, I would bet money that Cone will be starting against USC. And I hate that, but I hate USC more. Next, 2018, and this is what surprises me. Wimbush started the season. First three games were winning. We had just beaten Michigan to open the year. Um, and he had a very, very good record. I think he only had two, three losses associated to him. Um, and then in a surprise move, Kelly pulls Wimbush and puts Ian Book in. And then, like that, the electricity of the team is just so much better. You know, I, I think that was Wake Forest or something. And Wake Forest was garbage that year. They're not undefeated like they were, you know, they are this year. But Book comes in, and the team is totally different. Did we not see that with Buckner as well? Buckner comes in, the team is totally different. Kelly, you've had both of these scenarios in two different ways. One, it's so obvious the guy shouldn't be playing, and one, the guy is more electric and should be playing. You have experienced both of these situations both times. Kelly, Reese, make the right decision. Start Buckner, play him, and Cone is the backup. And Pine, he's there, and, you know, it is what it is. So, next, O-line. The O-line right now... Um, the trend of the first six games I wanted to look at. So I wanted to look at, are they getting better or are they getting worse? And really, it's kind of like they go up in up the mountain, and now they're coming down. It is starting to look a little bit better. First, the average, the first eight games, excuse me, the first six games, we average eight tackles for loss and four sacks per game. Those are not good stats. Those are not good numbers. They are not good at all. <laughs> but Notre Dame right now in sacks allowed ranks 126 out of 131 teams and 121 out of 131 teams in tackles for loss. So not good. But tackles for loss for each of the first six games go as follows. Nine tackles for loss, Florida State. Then 11 versus Toledo. Seven, Purdue. 12, Wisconsin, the highest it ever was. Cincinnati, seven, a loss. And Vatek, this last game, only two tackles for a loss. Interesting. Maybe there was a different quarterback in. Maybe we ran the ball more. It's interesting what happens when you run the ball. You don't get as many tackles for loss. But then Sachs, four versus Florida State. Six allowed in Toledo. Four in Purdue. Six in Wisconsin, tied with Toledo as the most. Wisconsin is the worst as far as offensive line production or protection, however you want to look at it. Cincinnati, two. Virginia Tech, two. So the trend is down right now. We are improving, quote-unquote. I don't know if this, this team needed more time to gel with chemistry. You know, I don't know what you know the purpose of spring and summer and fall camp is if you can't do it in you know those eight months or whatever the hell that is. But apparently it takes six games to start gelling. But Notre Dame's offensive line is trending right now in the right direction after the Cincinnati loss. Two tackles for loss and two sacks against Virginia Tech, a team that does not suck, and in their house. Now, here's the thing. We're playing USC next. The Trojans average 
four tackles for loss by their defense and average 1.67 sacks per game. So how well can Notre Dame do? You know, it, it really comes down to execution. USC, they have talent. They are a talented team. But Notre Dame's offensive line really needs to play the best every week for the rest of the season. We have to get that done. Next on the offensive line is I wanted to know this is this year and this year is terrible. It's the worst it's ever been. But I wanted to look at the trends over the years of these stats, tackles for loss and sacks. And is there something to be said about the different coaches that are coaching the offensive line? Right now we have Jeff Quinn. He has been in that role as offensive line coach since 2018. 2018 was a good season. 2019 was a good season. 2020 was a good season. So Kelly has done very well those last three years with Jeff Quinn taking that role. Sidebar, Jeff Quinn was also the offensive line coach slash offensive coordinator when he was at Cincinnati. But, you know, I've already talked about how I think Quinn should be the offensive coordinator. But nonetheless, he replaced Harry Heastan, who was on the team from 2012 to 2017. And those are the teams that gave us recruited very well, very well-known offensive linemen, the Martin brothers. You had Ronnie Stanley, Nick Martin, Zach Martin, uh, Steve Elmore, who actually left Notre Dame to be, I think, a senator's you know intern or something like that. The recruiting was very high in Heastan. And then before him, though, in 2010 and 2011, Kelly's first two seasons at Notre Dame was Ed Warriner. Now, he doesn't really jump off the page here, but listen to this. I added up the total of how Notre Dame ranked in sacks allowed and tackles for loss allowed. So you add those two together and you get a score. The best it ever was was in 2013 under Harry Heastan, but Tommy Reese was our quarterback. Okay, the but the score of adding those two together was 13. We were 11th in tackles for loss and second in sacks allowed that season. Very good, which is weird because we went eight and five. But then in 2011, Ed Warner's best season, the sum of those two stats is 50. Jeff Quinn, the best was 2019, arguably the best Ian Book ever looked with 62. Now, the worst, Ed Warner, 2010, his only other year, was 72. The worst for Heastan, this was surprising, 2017, 146. And that was the Wimbush and Josh Adams offensive line. I wonder if Miami, that terrible game in Hard Rock, had something to do with that. And, of course, with Jeff Quinn, the worst year is this one. So from 2018 and 19, when Quinn joins the staff it does look like the score is improving but once we hit 2020 last year it's almost like we're back to start right when he stand left off which is absolutely terrible when you then move into this year 2021 our stats are not very good but under the he stand years was very stable it seems i graphed this out i'm not going to bore you with an engineering graph here because you know that's what engineers do but 
it was very stable from 2014 to 2017 where we didn't really change and have these large swings of how the offensive line was producing year after year. So there was more stability, and that's probably why we didn't feel whiplash with the offensive line those seasons, but this season we are. Last by week reflection is the 2021 defense versus the 2002 first-year Tyrone Willingham defense. Now, it's kind of hard to find stats going back that far, but I was able to find with a reliable source looking at turnovers and uh, how we have fared in 2021 this year versus how we fared in 2002. First fumbles recovered per game in 2002. We averaged just under 1.9 this year, 0.7. So worse interceptions. There were 21 for the total of the season. That's 13 games. But right now, Notre Dame has 10 in six games. So we're on pace with the 2002 teams. In 2002, we averaged 1.6 interceptions per game. Right now, Notre Dame averaging 1.7. Thank you, Wisconsin game. In 2002, we had two scoop and scores. 2021, right now, zero, but we'll get there. Isaiah Foskey, you're, you're, down to, you're, you're guaranteed to get one. Or J.D. Bertrand, you're playing like an animal. It's going to happen. But get this, pick sixes. We had four in 2002. Right now, we've had two. Go, Thank you again, Wisconsin. Now, versus USC in 2002, Notre Dame did have two interceptions, but USC had three interceptions. And Notre Dame got their ass kicked 13-44 to in a loss in 2002 by the Pete Carroll Trojans. Shoot me now. So that's how Notre Dame's defense is this season compared to the 2002 season now i didn't look at offense between the two seasons and at this point it's kind of moot but uh that is something i wanted to look at and right now it does look a little similar there are areas where 2002 looks a little better especially scooping scores and fumble recoveries and things of that nature um but it's clear that Notre Dame is not relying on the defense, I think, to win games. I think the defense is holding their own and doing a, a good job, and the offense sometimes isn't helping. But I don't feel the same way I did in 2002 about this team. Next piece is the toast of the week. The toast goes out to the Green Power Ranger himself, Kyle Hamilton. He is a mid-season All-American first team per the AP. So to Kyle Hamilton, my favorite player, number 14, the Green Power Ranger. To you, sir, cheers. Okay, USC hate. And we are going to do something really weird here. So I don't like this team. I don't like this team one bit. And I asked myself, what can I do to embrace the hatred and let the energy flow. And what I decided is I'm going to eat a crazy hot pepper before I start. I'm literally going to be spitting fire as I hate this team. So I have a garden. Uh, I like making salsa. And uh, I ordered some traditional peppers. And then from the company I ordered online, they sent me this 
pack of seeds, kind of some freebies like, hey, thanks for your business. And this is called a seven pot lava yellow. Uh, it has kind of a Notre Dame golden or even a USC yellow if you want to look at it. It looks like a Carolina Reaper. Now, it's not as hot as a Carolina Reaper, but it's probably one or two steps down, which is still insane. Um, so we're going to eat this sucker, and now we're going to talk about our hatred for USC. And yes, I have water here. Okay. So I hate USC. First off, all-time record versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame wins the series 49 37 losses and 5 ties. <clears throat> the record of Notre Dame versus Oh gosh. This thing was hot. Earn it. I just got to swallow this thing. Okay. Ugh. My face is turning red. This is a bad idea. Okay. Ugh. USC is a bunch of spoiled, entitled fan base. They are elitist snobs. They're elitist snobs. I do not like them one bit. Growing up in LA, ugh, here come the tears. Oh. I feel it in my ears. Oh, this is... Uh, uh. <coughs> yes, I have water. Uh. Uh. That helps a little. So I grew up in L.A. And ever from 1983... To 1995, Notre Dame had dominance over the Trojans. They always beat USC. They never really lost. They had one tie in 1994, which was my first game ever. A 17-17 tie. My first game ever. I was 10. Ah, <gasps> oh, damn it. Now, Holtz's last game ever at Notre Dame is his only loss to the Trojans a 20 to 27 loss now Davey had two more losses uh, as what then also had three wins and in 1998 I also I also saw Notre Dame lose to USC 0 to 10 in the Coliseum. It was terrible. Growing up in LA, you're either love USC or you hate USC. But I honestly never really noticed the love for USC until Pete Carroll, that son of a bitch, arrived. But in high school, the tables clearly turned. From 2002 to 2009, all of the Willingham and Weiss years, right before Kelly was hired, starting in Pete Carroll's second season, USC completely dominated Notre Dame. Now, USC's rank in those eight years 
the day they played Notre Dame, their ranking goes as follows. Sixth in the country. Fourth. First. First. Yeah, one of those is the Bush-Push year. Second. Nine. Five. And six. Top ten. All of those years that we played them. They scored in all of those games. 318 points. Notre Dame, 122. An average score of 39 to 15. A 24-point difference in margin. If that doesn't get your blood boiling or your face cry because of all of this damn hot pepper eating, I don't know what is. I absolutely hate this team. And those years certainly seal the deal. 24-point difference. It's ridiculous. Now, Brian Kelly, fortunately, was hired in 2010. And conveniently, was also the same time when Pete Carroll left. Thank God. He went to the stupid sea slugs. But Brian Kelly, total, has seven wins in his in the ten times he's played them. All three losses, Notre Dame was not ranked. Now, in 2016, USC was ranked 12th. And that was, of course, a loss. Notre Dame has been ranked in five of their seven wins. My two favorite were 2017, where we beat the crap out of them at home. And then 2012, of course, where we were ranked number one in the country and then punched our ticket to the national championship game. 2017, though, both teams were ranked, and that's the year Notre Dame beat the crap out of them. 49 to 14. It was a pounding. I absolutely loved it. We completely exposed USC for who they were. And I think there's a hot pepper still stuck in my jaw here. Oh, God. It's like a seed or something. Ugh. But Brian Kelly, here's the best part, Notre Dame. Brian Kelly at Notre Dame has never lost to USC when he's ranked. Hey, Notre Dame is ranked 13th and USC is unranked. So I'm liking our chances on Saturday on that alone. You guys having fun? I'm not. <laughs> now, in the years that BK has been there, it's totally f different from the Pete Carroll years. USC, their record in the time that they have been there, while Kelly has been there, USC has gotten 94 wins, and 49 losses for a .657 win percentage. Now, Kelly, of course, at Notre Dame, his win percentage is .7279. This is unprofessional, I know, but I'm having fun. Is this your idea of fun, math? Yeah, right. Okay, where was I? Son of a bitch, that thing was hot. Okay, I'm going to regret this tomorrow. I just know it. I'm going to be at work. I'm not going to be at my desk. I'm going to be somewhere else. Lane Kiffin was hired in 2010, the same year BK was hired. He was there for three games that Notre Dame played, lost the first one, won the second one in South Bend, then lost after that. Was fired mid-season in 2013, and then Notre Dame faced Ogeron, who now has left LSU inexplicably, which is weird, but I have a theory on that. 
Then 2014, Sarkeesian beat the crap out of us when we went there. Now, he had a substance abuse problem, so he was fired. Um, and then Clay Helton was like helter-skelter, the intermittent coach, I think three times. I think even Snoop Dogg coached them. Maybe he just coached them at a practice or something. Who knows? But then Clay Helton did take command of USC in 2015 and then all the way to the present, except two games into this season, USC fires him after a halfway decent Stanford team beats them at home, which is kind of weird because two games into the season and you fire their coach, it makes me think there's something else going on, like, um, you know, some company or school policy or some other, you know, you know, not very nice things going on in the background that USC doesn't want out in public. Who knows? They're now coached by their interim coach again, Dante Williams. He has uh, after two games, and he here he is. One thing that's interesting about USC is historically they have top 10 talent every year. It's USC. They're a very flashy school. They tend to do very well in the recruiting. But get this. Over the last four years, Notre Dame, their recruiting is 13th. USC, 23.8. 23.8 over four years? How is that possible? Well, I did some research. Most recently, it was 7th, then 64th last year, then 20, then 4. What's the explanation? It's because of COVID. COVID, the Pac-12 took a huge hit because they wanted to cancel all their games, and then they realized ooh, they're still playing college football, and so they only played a six-game uh, season last year, and the USC went 5-1, and one. So, which is weird because I think Ohio State went 5-1, and one, but they make the playoffs, but USC didn't. I mean, I'm glad USC didn't make the playoffs because they suck, but still, I go back to last year. I talk about this. USC now needs a new head coach. LSU also needs a new head coach. What other big program, like I bet Nebraska's this close to – firing Scott Frost are they gonna fire him so you're gonna have three big schools all looking for head coaches I mean who are you gonna get I don't know now if Kelly loses out I should say he'd be fired too and then we'd be looking for a head coach I don't think that's gonna happen but you never know but hey we got Marcus Freeman so there's a good backup plan I think but I actually think that with Ogeron leaving LSU there is a backdoor deal to him going to USC now I have no proof of this this is just my intuition. Maybe it's the hot pepper, the lava yellow I just ate. I don't know. Or maybe USC is going to hire Jamie Chadwell, the head coach of Coastal Carolina. They're an up-and-comer. Um, although that may not be a bad idea, USC. Coastal Carolina is actually looking up pretty decent. Now, their strength of schedule is terrible, but you never know. But I absolutely hate Pete Carroll, that son of a bitch, that dude with his, you know, pleated khakis and white tennis shoes and, you know, his damn headset and a turtleneck, like, oh my gosh, he just is a promoter of cheating and a, just a complete jerk. I just, I just don't like the guy. I mean, and that, but his players loved him, which is made it even more annoying. Uh, it's, it's absolutely terrible. Uh, Pete Carroll, stay in Seattle with all your rain. Now, the last game I went to with the Doc, just the two of us, was versus USC. Um, and I've seen USC more than any other team 
I saw them in 2009 when I was a student. In 98, as I said, and 94 was my first time ever and my first Notre Dame game ever. But USC in 2019, their quarterback was Keaton Slovis, and he is still their quarterback. He was a true freshman in 2019, but now he is still there. So he has a lot more experience than all the Notre Dame quarterbacks probably combined. So uh, I don't feel really good about that. But that's also pretty typical of USC quarterbacks um, being experienced, uh, lighting it up. Any run from Matt Barkley to Matt Leinart to, you know, Carson Palmer, you know, pick these guys. Just USC year after year after year, Pete Carroll would put these elite quarterbacks who would go to the NFL, first round draft picks, whatever. And they would just have a day. They would have a day against US, against Notre Dame and just beat the crap out of us. And that is another contributor to how annoying USC is. I absolutely hate this team. They had such stability as a program under Pete Carroll. Now, granted, a lot of those wins have been vacated and the Reggie Bush stuff and, and this, that, and the other, which they should remain vacated, right? Screw that team. But there's there's no reason why Notre Dame should lose. USC is three and three. We're five and one. Okay. They have this interim coach who literally I think played in arena football. Now arena football is cool, but really? That's your head coach, your interim head coach. You hired Dante Williams, the arena football coach. Like, okay. I mean, hey, I'm you know happy you're making bad decisions. But he is uh two and two. Uh, so far in his head coaching uh, record, he has lost to a top 25 Sagarin team, which was Utah. So um, now the top three stats, total touchdowns, scoring defense and total defense, Notre Dame exceeds USC in all of them. Not by much, but they are better. Now here's the problem, Fighting Irish Faithful. Near the bottom of these stats, USC has stats that are better than the national champion average and blows Notre Dame out of the water. Tackles for loss allowed. We already talked about that. Red zone scoring, though. USC on 25 attempts is eighth in the country and in the red zone scores 96% of the time. That's at least a field goal. Notre Dame, 86%. Not as good. And we're ranked 55 in the country. Passing yards, USC's 11th. No surprise there. Notre Dame's 31st. We can't figure out who our quarterback is. No wonder we're not ranked higher. And sacks allowed. USC, 1.17 against Slovis, their quarterback. Notre Dame, we've already talked about that. They're terrible in sacks allowed. So they're kicking our ass in that. They don't run the ball. That should be no surprise either. But they run the ball 40% of the time. Notre Dame... 49.9%. It's crazy how even Notre Dame is on the run-to-pass split. It should be 50%, 50 50-50. But here's the best part. Notre Dame should win. They're favored by a touchdown. And TeamRankings.com is getting them a 75% chance of winning. And yards per point, stat I talk about all the time, 11.86 for the Fighting Irish. Versus the Trojans, 13.92. So not as good at all. Notre Dame also has a few other stats going for them. Is their defense. 
Their defense is the backbone of this team. It is the strength. Rushing defense is better. Passing touchdowns is better. Third down defense is better. Um, Turnover margin. That is the key. If we can get USC to turn the ball over, we win. Notre Dame is plus four on the year. USC minus one. And sacks per game, we get more sacks. So we need to sack Slovis and we need to just kick ass on defense. That is the key. Now I've talked about, you know, USC being a bunch of spoiled and tidy, snobby, rich kids. Um, I've talked about how the swing of dominance from the 80s through the Holtz years all the way to where we are now, uh, you know, where it's it's it was pretty even there for the Davy years, and then it's completely swung the other way, and the door stayed very tightly shut until Kelly cracked it open. And Kelly does have a good record. I've talked about, we've done a bunch of Pete Carroll bashing. Uh, don't like that guy. Uh, talked about how USC is a bunch of cheaters. And then having a questionable morality on people like O.J. Simpson playing for them. Now, that doesn't really impact the near term, but it's still he still went there. So uh, it's a strike on you, USC, that O.J. Simpson went there. So I've talked about a lot of reasons why I hate them, how I grew up there, and it was just anno- so annoying dealing with USC people. And But here's the thing. USC cheats. They've done the Bush push. But why do we hate them? I think we hate USC because when we look in the mirror and we see the parts of ourselves we don't like, we see USC. What do I mean by that? We actually have, Notre Dame, a lot more in common with USC than any other team I can think of. Maybe Stanford, but not so much. Why? We're the blue and gold. They're the red and gold or the red and yellow or red and lava yellow pepper color. I don't know. We have a catchy fight song, the Notre Dame fight song. They have one too. It's called Fight On. We are a private, prestigious university. They are too. Now we're Catholic. They're not. Okay, there's an opposite. We have a large endowment. USC has a big one too. USC is in a bad part of town. Now Notre Dame itself isn't in a bad part of town, but you go a couple blocks one way or the other. Yeah, South Bend's a real, real deal city. Okay, we have good weather in South Bend, and uh, USC has boring, uh, sunny weather all year round. Okay, it's 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 terrible. We enjoy the snow. USC is a bunch of sissies when it's when it there's just a brief chill of fifty five degrees, and everyone's wearing parkas and snow boots. Football is a big deal at both universities, and there's famous alumni for both schools. We have more in common with USC than what meets the eye, yet we hate them. They are across the country. They're ridiculous. I hate the Trojans. I hate this team. I want us to kill them, beat them, hate them. I don't care if we wear green. That doesn't matter, okay, even though I wear green on this podcast all the time. But 7.30, when that ball kicks off, we are playing our rival they are the yin to our yang all right we have so much in common yet we are so different in so many ways when you really look at it i don't like this team i do not like usc one bit let's go out there let's kill them thank you everyone for joining me i hope you enjoyed the fire and brimstone here the hate 
is swelling, and so are, is my digestion and my intestines probably now from eating that hot pepper. Uh, thank you for enduring this, and uh, let's go Irish, beat Trojans. <laughs>